because I get up at five something in the morning during the week. And, and, and we know you can't afford the good drugs on a teacher's salary. So how, <laughs> no, you can't. How no. are you awake? <laughs> Lots of Starbucks. Caffeine is my religion. So I, I go to Starbucks. My kids know to bribe me with yeah. Starbucks gift cards. Yeah, sure. it's the smart kids know what my Starbucks order is. And that's how it works. And I think that's awesome. It's come a long way since giving a teacher an apple, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't want your apple. I want no. a tall, non-fat latte, extra hot light foam. That's yeah, yeah. Now, broadcasting live from the podcast palace on Park Street in beautiful and dangerous Clearwater, Florida, it's the Comedians on Cork podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Tony God and Pat Largo. Hey everybody, welcome to Comedians Uncorked Podcast. Another great guest today, of course, our main star. We always have to thank our in-studio sponsor. Thank you, Julie Drolshagen, for everything. We really, really appreciate it. She's out of Clearwater, Florida, Century 21. Still a great time to buy and sell property. You can get a hold of her at 727-902-9233 or floridabeachbusiness.com. This is when Tony normally says, Florida Beach Business. Dot com. So uh, again, Julie Drollshagen, thank you so much. Today, another one in a long line of great guests and uh, my first time getting to speak with her like this. Uh, she's been on uh, seen on major uh, TV networks. She's an alumni of the prestigious uh, Chicago's Second City. She's comedian, actress, and I think most importantly, a teacher, Trish Keating. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Great. Doing good. How are you doing? Good. Hanging in, man. I know. How's life been with you? I, I always tell you, everyone else, I, I don't want to say normal yet, but how's stuff been going on with you since things have been kind of getting back again to where they should be? You mean with uh, the COVID and teaching and, and whatnot? Yeah, entertainment, um, you know, your gigs, all that stuff. All of it. Um, I think for everybody, it's 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 been a slow progression. Um, I think clubs came back a lot sooner than um, teaching as far as yeah. feeling safe. Um, and I know that um, a lot of the students were still wearing masks and I was going into clubs where no one was wearing masks. So it was kind of like a lot, you know, very different worlds happening simultaneously. Um, and during the, the school year, I wasn't taking as many gigs because I was worried not only about bringing it to other comedians because of the environment I taught in, but also my parents who are seniors and have health compromising issues. Yeah. So it was like the last thing I wanted to do was get anyone sick or get sick and bring it to anyone else. So um, I kind of took it easy when clubs started reopening because of that. And I, I remember seeing a lot of people getting COVID that were doing New Year's Eve shows. And I was like, yeah, no, no. Yeah. I mean, unless you're getting paid a lot, it's almost like that risk reward. I'll take a, a near death right. experience if I'm getting caught. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I mean, but it's got to be some dough. Um, yeah. what and it looks like it's on an upswing again. So um, I, I think it's inevitable. And uh, all we can do is be as safe as we can. And, that's it. you know, that's just it. try to do what you do. And that, exactly. You know, and there, that's there's, there's nothing, you know, I, I don't know if the schools are going to do anything this year different. But um, I know they're all starting to say again, get boosters again. And yeah. You know, mask up in public places, but I, I know a lot of people are over that. And so I'm not going to tell anyone else what to do. You just got to right. make your own choice. Exactly. No, you're exactly right. Exactly right. And the main thing, 
uh, mask or not, I don't care if people wear masks, have a great time, but come out to see the show. Yeah. Because, man, I got to tell you, some of these shows I've been a part of recently, all over Florida and Georgia, not only is it great to see people out again, but boy, yeah. they are clamoring for comedy. There, everyone wants to get out. I mean, I think w even with you've seen with even with the gas prices, everyone wants to get out. Yes. They don't care. Yeah. <laughs> it's not enough of a deterrent. I know I went to Georgia to um, hang out with my brother's family briefly for July 4th weekend and we drove up and I flew back and plenty of people out there, you yeah. know, just aching to get out and do something. And I get it because we have all got cabin fever. Um, oh, yeah. So. No, big time, big time. And you see that in the clubs there. The crowds are there. Yeah. No, which is we, great. Mm -hmm. You know, it's great for everybody. Exactly. Let me back up to the teaching now, because it's such an incredible thing you do. Uh, everything you do is very incredible and talented, but teaching well, is a whole special art. Yeah, it's, it's a whole special art form. Um, uh, how long have you been a teacher and let folks know what like what grade and what, what do you teach? Um, I feel like I've been teaching for like a thousand years. Um, I started teaching almost when I started doing comedy. So that was like, uh, I did do comedy in Chicago, but I was primarily focused on stand up and doing theater and film. So I really, uh, I, I only dabble. I was doing improv a lot. And so um, I did a little stand up in Chicago, but not a lot. I was there when a lot of clubs were closing. Um, and, uh, because of the eighties boom had killed a lot of clubs in the two thousands and they just weren't making a big comeback yet. So I was doing focusing on other stuff. And when I came back uh, to Orlando and then the Tampa area, the Orlando, the Tampa improv opened. And then I started getting back into it because I, I started working there in the box office. And then I got into teaching theater and I was always working with kids and I always kind of knew I wanted to teach theater, but it was just kind of something that was there. And I figured I would just do it one day. There's a lot of teachers in my family. So, but I am a theater teacher in um, high school. I started out at one school where I was an army of one. And now I work at a performing arts magnet. And um, so these kids are a little bit more serious. They're auditioning for, you know, programs, getting in places like um, Carnegie Mellon and, um, full scholarships to all kinds of schools. And so it's really cool. Um, much more competitive environment. We do a lot more shows than a typical high school. We do um, three or four major shows in the season. And then they have cabarets and dances and um, they travel a lot. We go to New York for Broadway. We go to SETC wow. auditions, which are always in a different state. They do competitions. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's just go, go, go kind of a a job. So, I mean, that's why, you know, people will see me on the road doing stand up and I'll see some of my friends and they're like, how are you awake right now? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know I'm awake because I get up at five something in the morning during the week. And, and, and we know you can't afford the good drugs on a teacher's salary. So how, <laughs> no, you can't. How are no. you awake? That's okay. <laughs> Lots of Starbucks. Caffeine is my religion. So I, I go to Starbucks. My kids know to bribe me with yeah. Starbucks gift cards. Yeah. Sure. It's, the smart kids know what my Starbucks order is. And that's how it works. 
And I think that's awesome. It's come a long way since giving a teacher an apple, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't want your apple. I want no. a tall, non-fat latte, extra hot light foam. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we we need <laughs> apple uh, like like a, a tech stuff. That's what you need. That's what teachers need now. Not the apple. We just need computer stuff. And you guys have to buy your own supplies anyway. For God's sake, it's crazy out there, man. We do. It's yeah, a lot of it. It's really a lot of it. Yeah. yeah, I never knew how much. This is a, a great. I love this because I never knew how much or what. Uh, you know, what you put into teaching until you said it right now. So it's, I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, I applaud the effort because it's so, you know, your teachers are special people to be able to do uh, uh, stuff like this. Now I'm lucky I get to teach what I love. Right. You know, there's, there's some teachers that don't get that luxury that get put into other positions. Um, right now you've got teachers that, you know, are leaving in droves because yeah. they're tired of not being able to pay their bills and working so many hours and, Theater teachers, any any elective type teacher, like a band teacher um, and a theater teacher, even football coaches, they work so many hours off the clock that it's it's you know it's a lot. I a typical day for us is from you know class starts at seven ten in the morning and we're there till four or five o'clock with rehearsals, but we still get a salary, and so we're done getting paid at like two thirty, but we're still there. And then sometimes there's night events. Right. We're not getting paid for those. So we have performances, open houses, um, discovery nights, you name it. There's always something going on in the evening. And each show we do has three performances and a tech week. Um, and that's the same at every high school, not just a magnet program. So, uh, and, wow. and you've got band concerts and everything else that's all off the clock. Um, and people don't think that. And they're like, you have summers off. And you're like, hmm. We don't get paid during the summer, which is why a lot of us take training during the summer so we can get some kind of stipend um, or we all have different, you know, other jobs. So, well, yeah, thank God for, like you said, for comedy, uh, yep. uh, uh, acting, side jobs, anything you can do, for God's sake. That you have to love what you teach and love the kids to put up with all the BS, but a lot of people are getting tired of the BS. So, gosh, dang. Now, yeah. of the three, because right there, obviously, you have to have a passion to, like you said, to put so much time and, uh, you know, free time. I hate to say it, but like you said, a lot yeah. of unpaid time mm -hmm. of the of the stand up comedy. Uh, I'll even throw improv comedy in there, uh, acting or your teaching. Is there an absolute like are there some comparisons in all three? And do, do you have like an absolute favorite of the three? That's hard. Um that's why I, I, don't, I don't know that I have a favorite. Probably right. I love doing um, a, a show, like a theater show. I've done theater here in the area and done plays and stuff. Um, but every creative thing is so different and it pulls from a different part of my creative process. Right. Um, so um, I think that's kind of what keeps me going is that I'm not just all the apples are in one basket and I encourage you know, comedians and everybody else don't just do this one thing, do all these other things. I, I took a great workshop with um, uh, Michael Kushner, who does a lot of headshots and things for people on Broadway. And he's also a performer and he um, he's all about being a multi hyphenate and being with this more than one thing, be an actor, a photographer, a, a web designer, um, a, a teacher, a creator, you know, something so that you always have all these multiple outlets for yourself. And I think if people found a lot during the lockdown that that was necessary to not only, you know, save your sanity, but create an income. 
Um, and for me, I've always just kind of found other different ways to be creative. You know, I also like writing. I like, you know, whatever it is that keeps me going. And I'm very fortunate that I've been able to do that. I don't have children of my own. So, you know, I don't have that um, other thing that takes up a lot of people's time, you yeah. know, that other obligation. Now, if someone were to ask you, if I were to ask you, if I didn't know you were on the street or, or somewhere, and I said, uh, we just bumped into each other at a store and we were talking. And I said, oh, cool. Nice to meet you, Trish. So what, what do you do? What, would you say teacher first? Would you say entertainer? Would you say, uh, uh, you know, theater person, comedy? What, what would be the first word out of your mouth? I would usually probably say teacher because if you say you're a comedian, the first thing they say is. Tell me a joke. Say something funny. Right. Yeah. Or tell me a joke. Right. Which is a horror. Right. Um, <laughs> And so, it really well, is. and if I say comedian and they say something funny, then I say money up front because I'm like, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, it's not going to happen. Oh, but God. yeah, so it's just it kind of depends on the company and where I'm at. I am more of an introvert than a lot of other people are. Um, I'm kind of an introvert with extrovert tendencies. So there's times I really just don't want to engage in shenanigans. <laughs> I'm just not in the mood. I'm with you. You know, I don't always, I'm not the one that hangs out late with the comedians at the bar sometimes. And it's not because I don't want to talk to them. It's just because I've, I've, I've done all my extrovert stuff I can do for the day. And, you know, you teach all day and then you have a show at night and then I'm just kind of depleted and I'm just kind of like, it's great seeing you guys. I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go. I'm with you. I gotta drive for two hours now. I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I some I sometimes feel that way on stage. I'm just telling Joe, I'm like, oh God, you you jackasses. I didn't want to be here joking for you. <laughs> That's when I get paid and go home. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I gotta tell you, I'm 52 now. In like late 40s, especially, I was I started to be more that way where I'm like, I just want to do what I gotta do and then go home. And I just mm -hmm. and I was single at the time. And I only have a dog here at the house. I love my dog, but I just wanted to go home. I, I didn't know I was such a homebody. But I just, right. I just don't want, yeah, no hanging out, no 12 o'clock, one o'clock in the morning stuff. I just want to go home. No, I found that out about myself in Chicago. I, I, I did the late nights and all that stuff with the friends and, and I just kind of got out of my system. Right. <laughs> just oh, like, I'm done. Well, that's wait, good. Any crazy Chicago stories after the shows, uh, uh, drugs, orgies, tell us Trish Keating. Um, drugs or no, not tell really. Tell, tell, tell us something hot. I had a hot <laughs> bangs are doing um, something hot. Um, God, it must have most been. of the time when I was there, it was the post drug period where everybody had seen the dangers of drugs and what it had done oh. to the great amount of talent. Okay. And um, when I was there, Chris Farley uh, passed away. Yeah, 19, what, 97, I think, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and they had, he had been at a Christmas party. And he had been at a Christmas party at SNL the night before and was definitely having fun. Yeah. And so uh, a lot of people were very concerned about him and worried about him. Yeah. Um, but uh, I remember the following time I had a class with my director, um, he gave us a big lecture on the dangers of drugs and how many talented people they had seen deal with this. And, you know, everybody was in mourning, of course, because he was so well-liked and loved. Um, but 
a lot of it was that. And I had Del Close as an instructor at the Improv Olympic. And I remember at one point he had rolled up his sleeves. And if you don't know who Del Close is, he's one of the fathers of improv in Chicago. Um, and quite a character, uh, a big, you know, hippie rebel type, but a genius nonetheless. And I, I'm privileged that I got to have class with him. But at one point he rolled up his sleeves and you could see clearly the track marks on his arms. And he didn't hide it. Right. Um, and, you know, he, you know, was in recovery and everything, of course, but um, it, it was something that was not hidden, like the dangers of it and the people that had had to deal with it. Um, and funny story about Dell, you like funny stories. So when he passed away, he willed his skull to the Goodman Theater to be used in any productions of Hamlet. Nice. Because they have that famous scene, Rorick, I knew him well, and he holds up his skull. They used it. It's Aww. on display, and it's there. And I'm like, yeah, that's my teacher. Yes. Um, that is so cool. Isn't that great? So, um, good times. So, I mean, you just, you know, most of the stories I have are good. When I was there, the people on the main stage were amazing. They were like Rachel Dratch, Tina Fey, Horatio yeah. Sands. Um, Stephanie Weir was killing it over at the Improv Olympic, and she went on to um, do, uh, I think she did Mad TV, but um, they, they were just, the thing about them is that I was never intimidated by them. They were kind, approachable, nice people, and you wanted them all to do well. Yeah. When they got the call to go to Saturday Night Live or whatever, you were happy for them. There was no one going, ugh. Oh, I hope they suck. I hope they fail. Nobody does that because a lot of them had been there already years before me. Right. And a lot of them had already done the road, the troop on the road. So very happy for them. Very nice people. I follow them on Twitter and give them shouts outs and stuff on Instagram. And they're just great. And that's great to hear that, that talent like that and people like that who are still popular and working nowadays Yes. We're cool and are cool or hopefully still nice because it's Chicago good has kind of that thing. A lot of those Midwest folk are yeah, right. True. Are pretty cool. Down to earth. I was very welcomed into the theater scene and the art scene in Chicago it was very approachable more than I would say if I went to New York, which is why I made that choice. Yeah. Yeah. So anything intimidating about I know you did the people you just mentioned, but I mean, they were young. Uh, as well too then and and not as popular but anything intimidating getting in there and being around these these other comedic geniuses though like you were, were you totally just like smooth right on in there or? um i was nervous uh yeah. of course um but it's just kind of the you just have to it's just like stand up you have to keep doing it sure you have to keep doing it you have to keep doing it and the improv olympic actually gives you the most chance to grow because they put you they're near wrigley field nice yeah. wrigleyville and they um turn out people like you know they turned out like andy dick and people like that i think um mike myers I feel like that went there um wow. probably getting names wrong because of a nightmare but <laughs> a lot of people did go there and do well um and sharna helpern started that but we would get on a team right away and have a coach. And every week we performed in front of a live audience. Oh, wow. So at Second City, you took classes. And then at the end of your classes, when you took so many classes, then you had a show on stage. But the Improv Olympic puts you on stage immediately. Like, here you go, because wow. you learn by doing. And so I was doing that simultaneously. 
And so it was, yeah. And I did that on purpose to myself because I was like, I'm going to get this. <laughs> I'm get at this. Because um, they didn't really have improv where I was from um, necessarily. So it was good for me. I'd learned very well that way. But I, I wasn't the best and the brightest. I was good. I came up with characters and held my own. Um, I wrote well. They put me in the writing program and I started writing sketches. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's it. That's where so that's so where they kind of tapped is. me on the shoulder for that. Yeah. Okay. That's where money is, right? Like in TV. <laughs> yeah. When you're a writer, man, that's what they make it happen. Yes. So. Well, I knew Paula Pell, who went on to write for Saturday Night Live for many years, was a head writer. Oh, really? For a while. Yeah. I'll be darn. Yeah. Man. Now, let's play the name drop game. I know you said some of the folks that you uh, went to Second City and other uh, improv stuff with Chicago and uh, SNL people. How about doing stand-up comedy with? I, I thought I saw, did I see Wanda Sykes or no? Wanda was amazing. I got to work with a lot of folks at the improv because I got to host shows there a lot, okay. like Tony did um, when he started. And um, Tony and I kind of did some of the same stuff for a while there, but um, Wanda was amazing to work with. Um, and I learned a lot from her. And um, primarily, I kind of learned a lot from the women I worked with. Sure. More, of course, than the guys, because you want to see, you know, how they hold their own on stage. Um, but um, D.L. Hughley is someone else oh. that I saw and I got to open for. Um, and he was very nice. Um, I mean, everybody was pretty nice. The only person that I, I didn't care for, and this is no secret because a lot of people don't, was Health. Molly Shore. Oh, man. The weasel. The weasel. Yeah. Holy sure. Holy sure. It's the only one. Most people, I don't have any real bad stuff to say, but. but a, a slight coating of disdain for Mr. Sure. He smelled bad. You could smell him from like, you know, 10 feet away. And he, right. <laughs> he didn't have much of a show. Like he, he came out and. <laughs> he said some jokes for about 10 minutes and then he showed a slideshow of his friends and him making a movie. Okay. It was his show back then. So, right. you know, I, I, I just wasn't. And then I guess he had a bus. I remember he had a tour bus yeah. and his, his buddies that he was on tour that he, that he toured with his friends would like select chicks to go wait for him in the bus. Of course. So I was just kind of like, okay. See? And I just kind of wanted to go, you know, you had a few good years in the 80s. You need to calm down. Just calm down. I don't know. People still like him. He still does comedy and tours. And, his, you know, I don't know. His act is the same thing and the slideshow, the same thing, except his friends are older now. I Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I really don't know. I only have one. I only met him once when I was doing radio in Tampa many, many years ago, and he popped into the Hillsborough, the Hillsborough Avenue uh, Hooters. And I happened to be uh -huh. there with some guys after a gig we did, and he popped in. I, I, don't, I don't know. This was pre-improv, so he must have been either just rolling through town or maybe All at right. Five Splitters. I don't know where he had a gig at. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But, yeah, he was just eating uh, a, a lot of food for a skinny guy. Um I, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I know he has a great history with it, with his mom, his, his late mother and everything, but, uh, I, I never have seen his act in person, but, um, 
it's good to know he had a tour bus at one point in groupie. So see, it, everyone gets a show. Well, apparently he didn't have soap. Um, <laughs> I don't care if you do pot or whatever, just take a bath. I don't right. be clean, be clean, you know, be clean. That's all. We um, one fun story was, um, who's the guy, the comic with all the puppets, Jeff, Jeff Dunham. Huh? Jeff Dunham. Yeah. Jeff Dedham. Uh-huh. And he had um the, he sends the puppets ahead of time in like these metal boxes. Yes. Through shipping to make sure they get there in time for his show. And so I was in the box office doing whatever at the time. Um and they unbeknownst to me, he was around the corner hiding. And he started having them argue in the shipping containers. <laughs> the puppets. And he was full on doing all the voices. And he had he gotten my name already. So they were talking about me. And it was like the jalapeno guy and um, the old man arguing about me and my and my appearance. Let's put it that way. Oh, that's funny. PG 13, but you know, my appearance and you know, and who was gonna take me out and stuff like that. And it was so funny. And I but it really startled me for a minute until I caught on that obviously he's behind the corner and i was just like oh my god i cannot and we got along like peas and carrots after that it was so funny but he was very nice he didn't really have an opener he just you know kind of goes on stage but he was so yeah. funny that's very awesome. nice I, so that's I, a little story i i like i've heard him do things like that that's awesome that he did it to you how cool is he yeah, jose jalapeno on a stick jose yeah. jalapeno on a stick which was yeah. my favorite at the time by the oh, way i love yeah. him he's, he's, it's that's my funny stuff, man. so um, but yeah i mean it's good times. No, good no time. doubt. And it's just great stories. And, and, and it's not going to end anytime soon, but it's just great. It's just, it's just a great life. Uh, let me ask you a uh, question that Tony texted me uh, for me to ask you. Uh-oh. Uh, he said, uh, uh, can you please ask Trish about the difference slash similarities between today's student actors and veteran actors? Are the same things important between them? The difference is that today's actors can't memorize anything. <laughs> they have no, they, their memorization skills are very, very um, tough because they're used to, um, their attention span is much shorter. Yeah. And they're used to, to having instant information and um, tiny bits of information at a time like texting uh-huh. and social media. So that when you give them a script, um, the expectation that they will have something memorized for you, you know, you, you have to really, I, I, I found it at my old school. I had to give them extra time to have things memorized, or I had to simplify some of the texts that I was giving out um, as time wore on or relax some of the requirements for memorization. Now that I'm at a performing arts magnet, we kind of have to instill that discipline because that's what they're going to need in the real world if they go to a college program, which is essentially what we're preparing most of them for um, to meet those standards. So it's a little different. Um, We have to be a little more hard on them knowing that, but it is definitely a skill that I have seen gone the wayside. and uh, and so that's a little scary and they're also so used to devices eye contact eye contact is something we're always working on especially um 
with, you know, even when they're doing cold readings, I've got it. They want to hold it. Like they hold their phone, you right. know, like looking down all the time. I'm like, I, you have to look up, you have to look up. And, and that even comes into play when we do tech run throughs for lighting design, the lighting designers are always like, you have to look up, you need to look up, <laughs> up because right. they want to do this all the time. Right. Right. Yeah. You're right. No, that's exactly. That, it goes that's into posture, physicality, everything wow. because of leaning over devices yeah. for you on end. Mm -hmm. I did not think of that. Now so it affects everything. Well, well, you know, and and I'll be honest with you. I, I it's been a while since I've done you know some on camera stuff that required uh, script memorization. I'm lazy now. I'm like, do we have prompter? I just I anything I do, do on prompter. Anything I do on camera now, if it's like even holding up cards, like Saturday Night Live, can we just hold up cards? I'll take it. No, <laughs> I like a good prompter because I can read prompter. Like if I do a like like uh. uh well, but television is a different animal than right. you do things in increments, uh, right, not right. on stage in front of right. a live audience. Oh, yeah. no, exactly, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I was never a big, uh, I, I've done it before, or like, you know, last minute they'll come and go, okay, yeah. we change this, now memorize this. And you go, oh, that's right, I'm supposed to be the professional. I have to learn how Correct. to do this. So uh, as I get older, like I said, I'm just getting older, crotchier, and, and lazier. But what are some- Well, now my brain is toast, because well, I'm going through menopause, I can't remember anything anymore. What? What, what are some of the things that you either can teach the younger students or maybe some of the things you did? Like, like, like when you were younger, was memorizing pretty simple or did you have to get, get uh, you know, work on it? I'm one of those people where it's not hard for me to memorize. Okay. It comes very easily. Um, I could go even into like a commercial audition and, and look at the piece and have it down and not have to look at anything. Um, okay. And I, I just don't have a problem. Um, and I do it very well in the car. So when I'm in a play, I just sit there and say the words out loud in my car and I've got them in time for rehearsal. It's, it's, it's not a problem. Um, the older I get, the harder it has become. I will say that much. Um, but uh, it's, it, it's, it's harder for everyone depending on where they're at with it. But I have noticed a big change in my students of late and having to be able to, to do that. So we do different exercises. We do something where um, their peers will um, give them a grade on memorization technique as like a, an assignment. So they'll say each other's monologues to each other okay. and then they'll grade them on a scale of how many words they got right or wrong okay. um, as practice. And we also do dry runs of everything um, before they get a performance run. So that's another way um, I have them. A good technique is to write down your monologue three times because sometimes just writing it down a few times gets in here. Um, I also have them write them line by line as a sentence and number the sentence. And then under each line, give each, each sentence, um, break them down into like actions. So they have an intention for each of those thoughts. Um, and that way, a lot of times they memorize them that way too. Um, so there's different things you can do. Sometimes you can record them. And so if people have a musical inclination, if they hear themselves say the words, it helps them memorize. Okay. Wow. So it varies. Yeah. That's different things. That's neat. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really cool. You're, you strike me as one of those folks that probably know everyone's um, lines on the page, right? Like, you know, everyone's. Eventually, I will, unless it's a play I've directed before. Yeah. Right, right. Oh my, that's great. That's good to know. Now let's do some more name dropping because we oh. know you've done some big time acting here. Were you or were you not on the set of Ocean's Eleven? I was. I was. I had to work all day with Brad Pitt. It was horrible. Oh my God, how 
whatever is he in person? Is he too gorgeous? Or did you think he's not he's as gorgeous? He's so anymore? beautiful. Like you can't take your eyes off of him, whether you like him or not, whether he's your type or not. And he's not really my type. I like, I tend to like the Clooney, right? The tall, dark. And I couldn't stop looking at him. He's like a magnet. Okay. Um, I will say um, we were at the, I was in the scene where they're at. And, you know, I was just, I had some lines, most of which got cut out, but I was a glor. I wound up being a glorified extra, which is fine. Cause you go for the experience and it's fun. Um, but you, I was still in a Steven Soderbergh film, so I was happy. Um, but I was in front of them in the, the racetrack scene. So they had to keep setting, um, resetting it. And they gave us hot dogs and like crap all day to eat to keep uh -huh. us interested. But he was sitting with his co-stars. And when he wasn't doing that, he was talking to a lot of older people that were on set that looked like retirees and stuff. And he was so kind to them. He was so nice and genuinely interested in them. Like, so, oh, you're from, you're from New York and now you're in Florida. That's great. Well, what, do you, what brought you down here? Like he couldn't have been nicer. And wow. um, I, I was just very impressed with him. Okay. Yeah. And he, they did their scene, you know, over and over different ways and um, reset it. And he was very professional and they would goof around and stuff. And, um, every once in a while he would say something to me or whoever, uh, you know, next to me. And I, I would tease him because I would just, you know, this is the same thing I did on sets before in Chicago. And I would just turn around and go, Oh God, we have to do this again. Can you get it? Can you get it right? And he, he would laugh and just be like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh and we would tease because he that was his relationship with everybody else was just yeah. very good natured and so you feel open to do that you know and it was the same on the set of like er when i did that er was very everyone's very open you didn't feel like you know a lot of people are saying about leah michelle right now on the set of glee she was very you couldn't talk to her she was precious you didn't get that on you know those kind of sets people were very open to wow talking to everybody they weren't treating anyone any, diff any different, you know, like yeah. their crap didn't stink. So now who did you make love to first, Brad Pitt or George Clooney? Mm, it would have been Clooney. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The ER yeah. Clooney or the Ocean's Eleven Clooney? I would have taken either or. Um, I, I'm, you'll love this. I did two episodes of ER and then Ocean's Eleven. And all those times Clooney was never on set. Oh, really? Yes, really. Dang it. It's very yeah. upsetting. Cool. And I actually wound up in Vegas and they were still shooting Ocean's Eleven at the this time they were at the Bellagio. Uh -huh. And I was on vacation. I was with my mom. But the, I remembered the uh, the the set uh, PA. Yeah. And I went up to the PA and I was like, hey, my husband, is my husband here? Because that's what I called Clooney before. Right. And when I had talked to her for a while and she looked at me like I was insane and I was just like, Oh my God, she's going to call security. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so I was like, I'm probably on a list now, like where there's this girl that's hunting down Clooney. I, I was just like, I'm going to, I'll just go. Um, and I was just like, never mind. It's fine. I did not fly out here. It's for this. It's okay. You're, you know, 
It's a new list. It's called the Clooney Looney list. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But I was so bummed out. The first thing that happened when I got on set to ER, you know, they give you the, the sheet for the day and yeah. it shows all the players that are there for the day and there's no Clooney. And I was just like, oh, and then and then you could only do the show once or twice. Um, and that's it. Oh, and you do it again because they wanted to spread the work, right, for all the actors in town. I was so sad. I was like, can I go home? Because I don't, I don't want to do this episode. Oh, my God. Anything they were shooting in Chicago when I was there, I did. Um, I did little things in Orlando. but um, And now my schedule oh. is such that it's almost impossible for me to do anything. Um, right, right. I, and it's all done in Georgia, <laughs> too. So I'd have right. to go to Georgia for everything. Um, thanks to Santa's. Um, ah! but don't get me started. Um, right, but, right. uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I've done some home shopping stuff here, but nothing major because yeah. they just want extra work unless you go to Miami or Georgia. So, right. Right. I know. I wish we could get some stuff back, back when I was in like in the late eighties, early nineties, when Florida yeah. was place and, and, and Florida, you know, they got money to bring people here, bring we used to have a lot of work here. Yeah. You're exactly right. And, you know, even even a, a young, untalented Pat Largo kid back in the day got some work, believe it or not. It was pretty cool, man. There you go. But, um, it, it just you're just another testament to, to show the kind of talent that we have here in the Tampa Bay area. But you're not just, you know, uh, entertainment and comedic and acting talent. Like I said, your teaching is also a, another major thing that, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, we, we can't appreciate uh, enough. So we thank you for obviously for doing right. that and, and making these kids and young adults into productive adults, man. So we really appreciate that. Um, what does the future hold for Trish Keating? What do you think? Oh, well, um, I'm working on a solo show. I've been writing, um, maybe try to get into a fringe festival with that would be nice. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. Um, and that's, that's a process, you know, um, because at something like that, you've, you've got to, it's, it's kind of like playwriting, but at the same time, you want to make it active. Um, okay. So I've been going to the Orlando Fringe Fest for years, and I know Tampa has a Fringe Festival as well. Um, and I believe it's, it might be this weekend, but of course I'm going out of town. Um, but it's something that's always interested in me, and um, I've always wanted to do something with, with that medium but nice. I think that would be something I'd like to do. Um, and to, uh, to keep writing some new material. Um, I, I am dating a Republican and I'm a Democrat. So that's giving me a wealth of new material. Um, <laughs> it's really fun. Um, we don't take it very seriously. So that's what makes it funny. Um, uh, both of us joke about it. Um, but uh, so I'm always mining material from him. Uh, he sent me something yesterday about what, uh, what was it? The first lady said about what is it, the Mexican tacos or something. She was making a speech and he said, he said, is this how I'm supposed to refer to all Mexicans or something? And I said, yeah, just like the rest of, you know, your demographic. That's perfect for you, honey. Yeah, tacos. We just, yeah, we just don't. We just don't take any of it seriously. I said, yeah, I'll put that on a shirt for you. Um, yeah. But we just make jokes about it all the time. Um, I got a, a bumper sticker to put on his car that says liberal snow, snowflake. Um, ah. and he's just going to drive around for days without knowing it's there. 
and we, we just we just don't take it very seriously but we it, it's a lot of good jokes you know like um uh you know we play hide and seek you know and he hides and i seek his voters id um <laughs> little things like that so um, but he's also not romantic at all like i asked him to plan a nice romantic evening and so he he did he said honey I, I picked out a movie for us i said oh that's great what did you get and he got dirty grandpa oh yeah i'm not making that up okay it's even that was his romantic movie I, that still deserves a laugh it's frightening it's not romantic you're right it's not it's, not. <laughs> it's a nightmare that's what you get for trying to find his voter id card <laughs> i know well i still can't find it he's hit it very well that's right. Very, <laughs> it's very but then I tease him. It's okay, honey. You'll forget to vote anyway. That's right. That's right. They're all stolen anyway. Oh, God, I can't say that. Yeah. He's and he'll ask, he's always asking me what I'm doing if he doesn't hear me in the house somewhere. And I'll be like, oh, nothing. <laughs> Just blocking Fox News. Just no, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So busy. <laughs> Well, it sounds like it's going to be a great relationship. <laughs> yes, um, it is. I have a quick it's question. Trust. Yeah. yeah. I got a quick question here from uh, Eric uh, on our YouTube channel. Eric in Tampa, he said, "What what is uh, uh, Trisha's? If she, does she have a favorite uh, comedian or like comedic actor or anything like that? Growing up or like even to this day, like someone just comedy wise that you were probably my biggest influence as far as comedians are, would be old school like um, Joan Rivers, Bette Midler. Right. Um, that that style um, I loved." Um, I love those early like setup punch. I got to meet Joan Rivers and um, she was really cool. She gave wow. me advice. Um, she said comedy is very tough on women. She wasn't wrong. Uh, yeah. it, it It's hard to be a headliner, to try to be a headliner. I still fight to be a headliner a lot. Um, I've had shows where people are like, you know, I've featured and someone else has headlined and I and I've had people say you should have headlined and I'm like, okay, well, tell the booker because I can't do anything about it. Um, it's frustrating. And I've tried to get other clubs to headline me and, and they'll tell me that they will and nothing happens. And I just keep getting asked to feature and, and I'm not arrogant enough to say I'm the best and I'm the greatest and I should never feature again. And it's money. So I do it. And then I try to work on material featuring, but it, it is frustrating when you know that they just keep putting men primarily in those those things and they want a well-rounded show so they like to put a women in the middle and i know it's not personal but after a while you start to feel like come on really yeah. um but i'm not a TikTok star right so i'm not you know and i'm not currently on television mm -hmm. um so i i get that um so it's just kind of tough i i'm trying to work more on TikTok videos but my brain doesn't go there. I know my friend Mike Rivera has been doing really well, making lots of videos lately. Um, and I'm just like, I don't, how did you do all this? <laughs> There's no time in my day, you know, um, yeah. for all of that. Um, but I get it. Um, but it's, a, I, I definitely loved Joan. I read her book, Enter Talking, when I was young. And I immediately said, this is, this is, I should do this. I should do comedy. This yeah. is, this sounds like it's right for me. I like comedy versus other mediums because you're in control of it. And I think I'm um, being a Leo. We like that control. So you, you, you're the one in charge of the material, your look, 
you're, you know, where you're going to go, when you're going to go there, there's a lot of control to it. The thing you can't always control is, you know, getting that, the booking, right? You can't always control that, but you can control a lot of it. And when you get into the business, you know, even if it's just theater, you can't control whether you're going to get the part. You can't control whether you're going to keep working. You can't control where you're going to live necessarily. Right. Um, and there's a lot of that um, that gets hard and you have to be a certain type or a certain look. Um, and with comedy, you don't have that um, aspect to it. You can be who you are. And I think that that's a really big plus for anyone that that wants that outlet. You, But it takes a lot of bravery to do comedy. And, and that that takes time. It takes a lot of time to be brave, to very, be yourself on stage. Yeah, very well yeah. said, uh, Joan Rivers. And it's great, all, again, to hear she was very cool. She was very nice. That's always great. She was very hear. kind. Yes, um, yeah. I heard great stories. Uh, and um, what, that you said a, a Leo? So do, do you have a birthday coming up in August? It's July 31st. Oh. If it's August, you screwed up. That's okay. what I always tell people. Gotcha. Right. Yeah, it's July 31st. I'll be 30 again. I'm going to write that down. July 31, 30 mm -hmm. on the 31st. Okay, good. Yeah. Write that down. Very good. <laughs> cool, man. This is awesome. I, we, we could talk for a long time. And, and next time, hopefully, we'll have Tony um, uh, available here as well. I know he would love to yeah. see. He would have been here today. But I mean, um, uh, and we'll definitely do some stuff. We'll uh, I'd love to get you out to a Comedians on Court gig. Uh, sure, and, absolutely. Uh, uh, of course, I'm gonna have to have you as a feature, but uh, <laughs> only because you're a Democrat. No, oh, no, oh, I'm just kidding. You can headline. I don't care what your whatever you need is fine. Good lord, man! I mean, I don't pay anything, but you can headline. Right. Um, uh, real quick, how can people get a hold of you uh, uh, if they want their kids? Like, if you do any side hustle with 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 uh, uh, well, teaching or how can they get a hold of you? I don't have a lot of videos on YouTube because of my day job. Um, there's a lot of people starting to come after teachers for their social media right now, believe it or not. Really? So I don't post a lot of stand up per se, right. um, but I do have a, a website, trishkeatingcomedy.com and I'm on uh, Trish Keating Diva on Instagram um, and I'm Trish Keating on um, Facebook. So I'm, I'm on Twitter, but I don't tweet that much, but I am Trish Keating on Twitter as well. I love it. And let's do that TikTok because that fan uh, told me. I will work it. on Trish Keating Diva on TikTok. I will work on it. In closing, I'm with you, though. It's one more thing to make me tired. <laughs> that fan's like, get up, get a thing today, get a profile today. I'll follow you. All right. That's great. <laughs> I have a profile. I just only have a few videos on it. But right. yeah. Me too. I just literally started because you, you know what's so disheartening is that when you're going through and I'm just going through my girlfriend had it for like two weeks, she got rid of hers. And I, she and I square and I see a woman who's about 23 with a with an ass out to here and she's twerking for 10 seconds. And then I go like this to the right and she has 3.5 million followers. And I, I don't, go, what am I, I gonna do? Put dick jokes on there and try to outdo well, her? Well, and then some of them put out really like good quality professional things and i'm like how do they do all that <laughs> i get intimidated i don't my students you know can do it mike has his students helping him and i'm like yeah. well i well i have to wait till school starts for that <laughs> and then i, I can go here do this <laughs> that's a great idea man you're helping so in a few weeks i'll get more TikTok videos i promise yes. 
Good, no, because he's got a great idea. And we're talking about, uh, people are listening, Mike Rivera, who is uh, America's Funniest Teacher. And yes. he's in the Pinellas County, Florida area. He tours all over the place, but he's also a teacher. We're so, both teachers, yeah. Um, and like you said, Trish, you're telling students how to look up and, and, and do stuff and have good posture and, sh and stop having this because they're so used to this. So yes. you trade it out. You're teaching them how to be better actors and more attentive in life with eye contact. And right. you say, hey, uh, can you show me real quick how to do a 20 second proper video on TikTok? They'll do it for you. Oh, yes, That's absolutely. Awesome. So good. I can't wait to see some TikToks from Trish Keating. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I like this. This is good. <laughs> and one more time, um, TrishKeatingComedy.com, everybody. And that's K-E-A-T-I-N-G. Yeah. Um, awesome, man. I hope you can do more stuff. I know uh, you need some rest because school season uh, is right around the corner again. Yes. Already. yes. Um, and I just want to say thank you for being a guest. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, thank anytime you. Anytime you have something else new. Appreciate breaking, it. You bet. Our, our pleasure. Uh, whether so much, it's your, Yeah. Whether it's your writing or, or movies or anything, you let us know. But I want to say uh, thank you so much for being on the show. And let My me just pleasure. also say thank you one more time to Julie Drollshagen, our studio sponsor for Century 21-727-902-9233, floridabeachbusiness.com. Once again, thank you so much, uh, Trish Keating. And folks, thank you so much for checking out another episode of The Comedian's Uncorked Podcast. You're putting up with The Comedian's Uncorked Podcast, live from the Sunshine State, Florida. Don't forget to check out our Comedians on Court YouTube channel and just click on that subscribe button. Thanks.